Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thanks for joining me for our weekend edition. If you're new around here, our weekend edition is simply when we go back in time to a successful student interview, one of our proven Amazon course students who's building a beautiful business, and we break down some of the best lessons and best moments from that interview. Because if you're like me, Saturday is the sixth day of the week, meaning, hey, it's another work day. Some of us work six, rest one. That's what God did when he created everything. So a lot of us follow that same model. I know I do. And Saturdays are quite often a day where you can grow your business, continue working on your business. And if that's you, we want you to take along our weekend updates. Well, today's episode is going to be one, like I said, where we interview a recently successful student. Maybe it's an episode that you missed and that sort of thing we'll get to in just a moment. Thanks for the feedback, by the way, if you've been listening to our weekend updates, we really appreciate that. But we've got some big news. Here we are kicking off summer of 2023 as I'm recording this, and we've just launched a great new product that I want to tell you about. You can go to Proven Bot Sourcing and see all about it, as well as you can listen to the recent podcast episode where we really dove in and discussed this. It was podcast episode number 647, located not too far back in time before this episode that you're listening to now. Provenbotsourcing.com is a new strategy for scraping virtually any retail website and finding potentially incredible replan inventory to help you in your Amazon business. We've really broken it down. It's brand new content, stuff that's never been taught anywhere before. Yeah, there's some tools you might recognize in the mix, but there's a lot of new elements. I don't care how deep you've dug into replans. You have not seen the details that we've uncovered before. It took us months to test this. So go check it out at provenbotsourcing.com. That's the only announcement I'm going to drop on you for now, except one last little tiny mention. Our conference is coming up July 6th through Eighth, plan on being there. Theprovenconference.com has all details. VIP tickets are almost sold out. We're expecting about 600 plus people to descend on Columbus, Ohio, July 6th through 8th. That's listeners to this podcast. We'd love to have you there. We've got over 40 breakout sessions with the great coaches and success stories from our podcast. You're going to absolutely love it. If you can't be there in person, check out the live stream option. Very inexpensive. It gets you all of the event recordings as well as live interaction during the event with everyone who's there. Very inexpensive. Go check it out. Theprovenconference.com. We'd love to see you join us. Hey, let's enjoy today's weekend update. Here we go. Well, talk me through how you find products. How are you running your business right now? So I have a VA that sources for me, but I still do sourcing myself. I do a lot of manual sourcing. Get online. Get on Amazon. If I think of something like a category or a brand, or if I see something in the store and I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before, or that looks kind of cool, I'll go look it up. Look on Amazon, see if it's being sold by FBA or FBM sellers, and then see if I can find it somewhere cheaper, you know, somewhere that's profitable. And then my VA does a lot of sourcing for me as well because I can't source all the time myself, you know, to keep up with the business. Right. But I do manual sourcing myself with mainly Amazon. I have done the Keepa product lookup before. So I've used that a little bit, but I'm not super confident in that. I'm not really good at it yet. So I just do a lot of manual sourcing. And then um, sometimes when I am in the store, I will scan items. It's very rarely because I prefer to be on the computer. 
but I do still source in the store sometimes. Sure. Yeah, it's hard to move away from that. I love it. That I think that's some pretty low-hanging fruit. People who are willing to go to a store and either take store shelf pictures or just do some research. You know, right there, many people like just standing there in the aisle, finding replans in one aisle. You know, standing there for a couple hours in some cases and just finding a whole bunch of new replans uh, right there in front of you. But most people prefer to do it from home. It's, I just feel like I have more data at home. Like I can see the whole mm-hmm. picture better. Sure. It's easy to use Keepa on the computer for sure than yes. on my phone. I can look at the sellers a lot easier. I can look at everything a lot easier on the computer. But you do get more ideas about things to sell in the store because everything is right there where you can see it. Right. And you know you're going to have your inventory because it's right there on the shelf in front of you. Exactly. And if I'm like stuck on like, oh, what do I look up to see if it's profitable? If I go to the store, I can see a thousand things right in front of me. Oh, let's look this up and this up and this up. Yep. So, and the pricing is right there. Yeah. So there's benefits to both. Yep. I still, I, I'd say I do more online. I do order things online and go pick it up in the store or I will source online and then go buy things in the store if I can't get them like online. So I'll easily source online and be like, oh, I need to buy this at Walmart or wherever. But I do, I do a little bit of both. More online though. Gotcha. Good for you. More inventory moving. Yeah. And for those who don't know what Alyssa's talking about, go to prepcenternetwork.com. We've got a list. I'll stick it in the show notes as well. Prepcenternetwork.com. It's a free list we provide of all the prep centers who will take your inventory off your hands, get it ready for Amazon, slap your labels on it. That sort of thing really frees up your time. You know, it, it's $10, $12 an hour work that you can hire someone to do locally. You know, you could use a local neighbor, or friend, that kind of thing, or you can use one of the prep centers in our prep center network, especially if you're shopping online. You can just have all that stuff sent there instead of sent to your front porch. It costs you between a dollar or two, approximately more to prep the items. So you have to factor that in. But it frees up your time so dramatically that you can spend time finding those higher net profit ASINs and spend less time touching box tape, which again is you know pretty minimum skill level work. So yeah, great plan. And I live in a, a sales tax state, so if I can find a prep center in a tax free state, sure, you know there's even more benefit to it. Yeah, so you're not paying sales taxes on your purchases as they yeah, come to your house. I've I've done the math, and if I spend over twenty dollars, the sales tax would cost the same as the prep center. Right. So it's kind of a wash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Although I always feel obligated to mention that those sales taxes you're paying to have stuff shipped to your house, it, because it's a business and it's being resold, that's all reimbursable back to you if you fill out the proper paperwork. But that's just more paperwork and more <laughs> more work you got to do, more things you got to track. Um, yeah, I looked into that. I live in Florida. Yeah. And I've been told that it's really, really hard to recoup that sales tax from our state. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I've talked to a couple of local people and they said that they tried and they never got anything. So I don't know yeah. how, how successful it is. It can be tricky depending on where you live and, and which, um, you know, what laws you've got work, working against you. But any good accountant will tell you that if you're paying sales taxes on products that you're reselling, you don't actually owe taxes on those that can be credited back to you. Now, what hoops you have to jump through to make that happen, it can be tricky. But certainly just using a tax-free prep center eliminates that as an issue because you're not paying any sales tax. Exactly. And I use, I mean, I have tax exempt and I use that where I can. Right. But not all websites are going to accept it. And and some websites, if you tell them you're tax exempt reseller, they won't fulfill your order. (laughs) So... (laughs) No. 
Exactly. This is a long-term trajectory game. I think we tend to get down. And I still do this. I've been doing this 20 years and I still do this. A slow day sales-wise, even though I've got multiple streams of income going on and different things, if it all adds up to a lower number than what I really like to see in a day, I struggle. It affects my mood. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. like that about me, but like it does. And on the, the days where I hit a little higher than what I was thinking I might that day, I celebrate a little more than I probably should. You should be looking at this over a trajectory vantage point though. Like where were you in October? Where are you now? But it's February. What do those points along the graph look like? Where are you heading? That's way more important, but we tend not to spend as much time looking at that. But if I I look at the trajectory of what you're building, Alyssa, $50,000 months are going to be common here within a few months. That's where you're heading. (laughs) I I feel like it's that instant gratification where it's like, we want sales now. So looking at big picture isn't as like comforting, I think as like, oh yeah, I had a $2,000 sale day or whatever. But I mean, the one good thing about Amazon is if I'm having a slow day today or a slow week, I know I can just step up my game and send in more products and boost it. It's yep. not like a, it's, I can fix it tomorrow always. Mm-hmm. Like I can always add more. Mm-hmm. So it's not, a, right. I'm stuck at these low sales. I can, you know, work a little harder, send a few more things in. And the sales are slow and it's my fault they're slow. It's not because people aren't buying it, it's because I didn't have any inventory. Yeah. So it was totally my fault. Yeah, I know. That, that explains your slower December, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you didn't send as much in or, you know, because December is a very distracting month too. It is. Um, yeah. Very distracting. And I was doing a lot of other things. I, I mean, I was Christmas shopping for the kids. I was exactly holiday parties and wrapping presents and you, exactly. you, your business takes a back seat. But I love that this is a business model that your January was stronger than your December. Most people think, well, Q4, that's when all the good stuff happens. Well, no, not when you're selling boring replens. January, quite often for many of us, is a stronger month than December was. It happens all the time to replen sellers. The stability of it is one of the more appealing factors, I guess. Yes, because selling seasonal items, it's, it's all fun and games during the season, but you can't keep doing that every month. Right. You know? So the replens is where the the growth and the stability can definitely come from. It's great to throw in those seasonal things, but you can't like just, I feel like just focusing on them, you're shorting yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. Talk me through how you determine, how you find good inventory, how you determine what's good, what you're going to sell, what type of items are you selling without giving away any of your best ASINs, of course. Just talk us through some of your strategy there. So I sell anything and everything that I can usually get a hold of and make money off of. It's usually everyday items, like everyday stuff, grocery, pet stuff, health and beauty. I started dabbling in clothing and stuff. And I think October, November, I started ungating some stuff. Um, So that I'm still like slowly going into that because I know there's a lot more returns in those categories. So I'm slowly trying to like test the waters and clothing and that kind of stuff. But I've been selling a lot of grocery, pet foods, health and beauty, stuff like that. I, like I said, I start on Amazon and I find things that are being sold by FBA or FBM sellers because you don't want, I don't want to sell anything that Amazon is selling because usually there's no profit in it and you know they're going to give themselves the, the sale. So I go on, I look and I'm like, okay, this thing looks like it's priced kind of high. It's only got FBA or FBM sellers. Somebody's buying it somewhere and making a profit. So then I just start Googling it. I'll 
copy the Amazon name, throw it in Google and see where I can find it. And if the, that's the good thing about OA, if I put it in Google, every single store that sells that item is going to pop up with their price. So it'll pop up Walmart, Target, wherever else, any local stores around me. And then I will, yeah, I, I use RevSeller and I just put the price into RevSeller and see if it's profitable. I typically want my numbers. I like $5 or higher. If I can make like 100% ROI on something that's 3 or $4 and it's easy, I will sell it. If it's like a small, easy, no prep item, like you know, just slap a sticker on it. And then I like 30% ROI or higher. So I don't want to buy something for $40. It's going to make me three bucks. Like I'm not, I'm looking for higher you know, profits. And then I would like low sellers. You know, that's the goal for everybody. Like 15 sales a month. It's like my minimum that I would like to get, unless it's like a killer clearance item that's going to make a whole lot of money. I will probably take it. But for replens, I would like to be able to sell at least 15 a month. So you want to sell 15 a month. You're not talking about 15 drops a month on Keepa. No, no. I will look at the Keepa and then the sellers and kind of determine, it, can I sell this thing one or two times or can I sell it like every other day? Mm-hmm. And if I can sell one a day or one every other day, it's something that I will you know, go pick up. I always test and buy three, four or five of them. Mm-hmm. Send them in and test it first because people can look great and then the thing won't sell because someone's stealing the buy box or I'll, I'll keep it won't look good at all and I'll send something in and sell them all on the first day. So yeah. it kind of gives me that real world data that yes. I need to know. Do I want to send more? And then I'm not risking a whole lot of money either. Yeah. It sounds like you've really dialed this in. You're doing, you're doing a great job. How many ASINs do you have? How many replan ASINs do you have at this point? Probably anywhere from 40 to 50 right now. That you're selling against. Yeah, you've been, you've been kind of picky. Because like yeah. for, for me, for example, if I can sell a couple a month, I'm happy. But you're <laughs> saying you want to sell about 15 a month. Yeah, I, I would like 15. If it's a really good item. So like if it's an item that costs me 10 bucks and I can make 20 off it and sell three, I probably will. Mm-hmm. Because it's a high return. But I don't want to send something in and have it sit for two or three months in the warehouse and then not, not make my money back because I, I want to roll my money as fast as I can. Yep. But I want, if my money's sitting in my account or my inventory is just sitting in Amazon, it's not making me money. Yeah. The, the uh, velocity of your inventory is a big deal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I've gotten a little pickier over time. Sure. You know, I, but if I can find, buy something for 2 or $3 and make 100% return and it's easy prep, I will buy it and send it in. Yeah, sell it for 11, 12 bucks and after all expenses. Yeah. Very good. Do you do any small and light? I do. I have a couple items that are small and light. And that's one of my items. I buy it for like $2 and I make $3 off it. Mm-hmm. And it, no prep, small and light. I send it in. It's easy. That is one of my, my replens. And I probably sell 20 a month. I mean, that's, it's an easy item. So why not? You know, it's one of those things like, why not sell it? Yeah, that's 40, 50 bucks a month in the bank. Easy it's, enough to, to source true. it. It's light. Yep. I just throw it in the boxes with everything else and it doesn't even weigh anything hardly. Yeah. So it's essentially just an extra throw it in the box and send it and make money off it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great job. I know nurses are some of the hard and teachers too. It's like you pick two of the, the hardest working, no. <laughs> high, high capacity required for patience and skill and What's the other word I'm looking for? Just the ability to stick with it, grit, and fairly low pay, all things considered. You know, it's like, that's yeah. what you used to do. So contrast those worlds for me. 
that's why Amazon's like a cakewalk because like I'm used to that. I think, so I went to nursing school really young. I was 19. I graduated high school and I started college because I wanted to go to nursing school. So I started nursing school right after I did all my prereqs, went to nursing school and I started my nursing career at 21. I was like the youngest one in my graduating class for nursing school. I was probably the youngest nurse and I don't know how many facilities I worked in. I worked in all different kinds of settings and some were better than others. They were all overworked and treated like you're not treated for your value. And then um, you put all your your time and effort and care into your patients and then your management just like walks all over you. So I went into nursing management because I wanted to like be a better manager than what I had. And I think that's really where the burnout came from in nursing. I went into management. I was on call 24-7. If someone called out, I had to go in. I was like responsible for everybody and the entire facility. So at that point, like two or three years in there, I was like, I don't want it because it was just controlling my life. I couldn't go on vacation. I couldn't leave town. I missed so many ball games. I, I had to leave work and come home because my son was sick and they wouldn't let me go to the hospital with him when he was one. I had to go back to work. My boss was like, oh, he'll be fine. And it's like, no, it's, it's not, oh, he'll be fine. My one-year-old has 105 fever. I would like to be there. So like, those are all like things that I tried to get away from when I, when I left nursing and I went to teaching because I was like, at least I'll be home at night. At least I'll be home on holidays. I won't have to work another Christmas morning. I can't tell you how many Christmas mornings I work, how many birthdays, mm. Thanksgivings. You know, nursing is a 24-7 thing. It's yeah. depending, on when, depending on where you work. If you work night shift, you might be home for Christmas, but you're not going to be like alive and functioning because you worked all night the night before. Those are all like things that I tried to get away from when I, when I left nursing and I went to teaching because I was like, at least I'll be home at night. At least I'll be home on holidays. I won't have to work another Christmas morning. I can't tell you how many Christmas mornings I worked, how many birthdays, mm. Thanksgivings. You know, nursing is a 24-7 thing. It's yeah. depending, on when, depending on where you work. If you work night shift, you might be home for Christmas, but you're not going to be like alive and functioning because you worked all night the night before. Yeah, that's when you're normally asleep Christmas morning. Exactly. Go to bedtime. <laughs> exactly. And the, yeah. the night shift was okay when the kids were little, but as I got older and got into activities and stuff, you know, I wanted to be home at night when they had practice and games and take them places and do things like that. So I left nursing for the more flexibility. You know, teaching did offer a lot more stable schedule, I guess. You know, I was at least awake during the day. I was home on the weekends. I was never going to work another holiday. I knew for a fact I would never work Christmas if I went to teacher ever. So that was like a big, a big step for me. And then um, I've always wanted to be like an independent person, like have my own money, make my own money, rely on myself for money, not a job. But I went to school for something that you can't do that in. Right. And you can't work independently as a, as a nurse. And then I had a bachelor's degree in science. So like, I didn't know what I could do for myself with that. Like, what, what kind of business can I open with a bachelor's degree in science and a degree in nursing? Like, what am I going to do with those? So, you know, there's other people that have businesses where they're a mechanic or they, they're a welder or whatever. Those are skills that you can take out of the workplace and make your own job. Right. So I never, I never like had a skill like that. So I, but I always was looking for, what can I do? Like, how can I do this? How can I do this on my own? Because I don't want to work for anybody. Yeah. So Amazon was just, it was kind of a, like, let me try it and see if it works. And it did. Yeah. So, Man, I love it. 
this stories like yours, Alyssa, are exactly why I got into teaching other people what I'd figured out. It's like I had stumbled across this magic formula that nobody was talking about. It was almost frustrating for me because I knew there had to be other people out there like me who wanted to take care of their family and have flexibility of lifestyle and make good money, but not be a slave to the schedule that someone else was putting on them uh, without having to go spend $200,000 to open up a franchise or something. Right? Yeah. Like, there had to be another way. And when I finally found that and got into e-commerce and these things started happening, uh, and then when we discovered replans and this model, that I honestly believe if you give me anybody who's got a bit of work ethic and they can get through that period of intense focus effort, you know, I mean, it took you a few months. And I'm sure you had all the questions that the rest of everyone else who goes through this has. But once you get through that, there's nothing that compares to what you're building here. And you even mentioned earlier, like, you know, some of these skill based businesses you could have built, like if you were a mechanic or you're a construction or whatever. Well, Mm-hmm. you're kind of tied to your skill. You've got to get up and go to work to make money. You've got to put in the time. With this, over time, you really can just hand it off to somebody else fairly easily. And it doesn't, it doesn't require local talent. It doesn't re, you know, require you to have a physical store location or to buy trucks or to have all this equipment. It's, it's truly streamlined in so many ways. It's such a beautiful opportunity. I think you've illustrated it. I, I appreciate you contrasting it to the nursing, the teaching, the other things you were you were thinking about doing. And you know, one, one of the pushback, some of the pushback I get sometimes to listen, I wouldn't mind hearing you talk about this for a moment, perhaps, is well, I'm just not passionate about selling random items to random people. I, I want to do something I'm passionate about. And my argument there is take a year and be like Alyssa. Build a beautiful business. Get it to 50, 60, 80000 dollars a month in sales. Turn it over to somebody else. Now you've got a free 60 hours a week that you didn't have before. And you can go do five or 10 of your passionate pet projects, right? 18th century poetry or whatever it is that you want to do. Hey, now you've got the financial support to make those things happen. So does any of that bring any thoughts to mind as I say it? Or Yeah, like I, I get the exact same thing. My mom is an example. She wanted me to teach her how to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll teach you because I can teach her. My mom's a nurse. She's smart. She can understand it. I know she'll pick up on it. And then she's like, well, I don't know if I want to pack pack items for the rest of my life. And I'm like, this is not a rest of my life thing. This is like a year or two. And then I'm moving on to the next thing. Well, this works for itself. Yes. You know, like it's this, I'm not going to be packing items forever. No. But if I pack them now, it's probably going to pay me forever. So it's like the, one of those things where it's, that's not the end. Re- the end result is not packing items every day for Amazon for the rest of my life. The end result right. is to build a self-sustaining business where I can, you know, focus my time on other new streams of income or maybe even get into like private label while my replens is running itself, work mm-hmm. on private label or wholesale or something else. It's not every day I'm going to pack for the rest of my life. Right. So it's, and it's not being passionate about selling things on Amazon. It's more so about being passionate about being financially independent. Right. Being there Christmas morning and awake and alive for your kids on those special days. And and when a kid is sick, you're there and they walk to the next room when they need mom. They don't wait three hours for her to, you know, get a get a break at work. I mean, that that's really what you've built. And and there's there's the benefits that come with this model. Yeah, it has completely changed my thoughts about work. I don't my goal is to never ever work for anybody ever again. Mm -hmm. And I want to teach my kids the same thing. Yes. 
I want, and like I have a, my little brother just moved down here and he just graduated high school and he's exploring trades. And I even had the talk with him, you know, pick a trade that you can go off and make your own business with one day. So you don't have to work for somebody for the rest of your life. Yes. Like, do something where you can be independent. Mm-hmm. And my kids, the same thing. I, my daughter sits down with me and she knows how to read Keeper. And she's almost nine. And she's like, oh, that one looks like it's selling good. I'm like, it is. She understands. <laughs> That's awesome. It. So yeah. they ask questions and I, yeah. I show them. And when they're a little bit older, I'm sure I'll be paying them to work, you know, because yep. might as well use them if they're here and want money. Yes. All of my kids did. And they've all got that entrepreneurial spirit. They all look at a job. My kids, you know, we've got five kids and they look at a job as deciding to have one customer. Because you've got a paycheck, right? And mm-hmm. that your, your customer is the person signing that paycheck. That's your one customer. They would rather have a bunch of customers. Yep. Right? Why not? That's called having your own business. Instead of having one customer, why not have a thousand customers and exactly. work from home instead of where your one customer tells you to work? Yeah. And this just opens doors. Like Amazon opens doors. If I can make money on Amazon doing this, it's not hard. It just takes motivation and drive. Like it's, it's not a hard concept to learn. You just have to do it and be willing to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a big thing people give up before they actually learn and understand it and get over those, those hurdles. Because I did have hurdles. I made bad buys. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were time frames when I had no money to buy inventory because it takes Amazon forever to give a payout. You know, things like that. But if you just wait and get past those hurdles, and just learn from your bad buys, you will figure out what not to do and what to do the right way. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those trial and error things to an extent, you know? And then watch videos, watch videos, take courses, learn from other people who have already been there and made those mistakes is like how I feel. All these people yeah. on, on YouTube, even like I watch Jimmy's videos a lot. There's so much information in there that he saves me from making those mistakes because he's like, hey, don't do this. Yeah. Or hey, do it this way. Yeah, so. that's one of the definitions of wisdom is learning from mistakes that other people made instead of making them yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and our opportunities in our group to do that are abundant because no matter where you are in your business, there's 500 people that are a mile ahead of you saying, hey, when you get to this point, this is what it's going to look like. Here's what you need to bring. Here's the potholes to look out for. But this is really mapped out so well because of the the size of our community. And the sheer size of this opportunity means it's a blue ocean. There's plenty of room. We have, a, we have an abundance mindset, yes. But the reality is, this is such an expansive opportunity that there's, there's millions of underserved ASINs on Amazon right now as we're speaking. There's no way we could ever fill the shelves. There's a, there's a bunch of products... There are ASINs on Amazon right now that there's zero inventory for them, but they're sitting on Walmart shelves all over the country. But there's zero inventory at Amazon. And it's stuff that if somebody would just ship it in, it would sell, it would sell at a profit. There, those, those listings are everywhere. So whatever the opposite of saturated is, that's what we are. It's like the opportunity is expanding faster than people are shopping online and relying on Amazon faster than there are third-party resellers who have the, the skill set to meet the demand. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.